0: It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lacs Class.
1: What is up, lacrosse fans? It's Jake Elliott here. This is Lacrosse Classified episode 213 on the Lacrosse Flash podcast network. Thanks for joining us. I say us because I got two co hosts with me today, as well as Evan Sheminar is back and Santino Farah is here as well. Fellas, welcome back to Lax Class. Uh, man, oh man, it was like Christmas over the weekend. Lacrosse mm-hmm. is so back, baby. And uh, we got a lot to talk about here. This week on Lax Class. Thanks for joining us. Uh, what's going on, boys? Evan, what are you doing?
0: You know, it was funny. On Saturday night, I'm sitting there at SAS Tel Center with my phone on trying to just keep watching games, mm. right? Because everything, and there's like the San Diego-New York game where the comeback was happening. And just like literally sometimes, like, okay, exit, get to the next thing, You know, and I don't know how much attention I was paying to the rush game half the time. I think I missed probably four or five goals because I was watching other games while I was watching there that's it's not a problem
1: uh tino what uh what's going on with you men what uh what's new in your world uh
2: not a whole lot other than lacrosse being back in the mainstream so that's uh pretty exciting i got to uh my cousin's getting married in a couple of months so Mm -hmm. we were doing our like our uh suit fitting uh for there's a handful of us that are in the wedding party so gotcha I was waiting at work when I was done on Saturday for my cousin to pick me up and they were going to go down there together. So I got to watch basically the entirety of the Vancouver Toronto game, just like sitting in the studio at work. And even though the game itself like wasn't great, it was, I was so happy to just be sitting there. I had nothing else to do. I was by myself. I could just sit and enjoy lacrosse <laughs> yes. in silence. It was incredible. Yeah.
1: Rare is the day when you get something like that. Come. Your oh, you're so nice. Yeah. Um. Well, unfortunately, I did not get that luxury. Well, I wouldn't say unfortunate because I was co- announcing the championship games of high school football down at BC Place on Saturday. So I got like the first quarter and a half and then kind of had to watch a quarter and a half while on the drive in and then got to watch the fourth quarter while I got there. But uh, holy cow, I don't know if you guys saw my timeline or not, but I, I, tweeted out one play of this game that was a 90-yard field goal block scoop and score. Uh, This game was – the AAA final was one of the wildest games I've ever announced in any sport I've ever done over my 20-plus years of calling games. This thing was wild, man. 13-12, the final. Uh, Vancouver College caps off an undefeated season and beats GW Graham Grizzlies. But this, this game was bananas. Let me tell you, for a 13-12 game, it was bonkers. But I was in, um, all the while, I hope nobody that watches football is listening to this lacrosse ball. I, I had an iPad open, I had my phone open, I had a computer <laughs> open. <laughs> so I'm calling football championship game, but I had like a quarter of each eyeball on two different screens watching lacrosse as well. Uh, So it's so good that the National Lacrosse League is back. And that means uh, some new things to talk about here on the podcast, including Stampede Stallions, which are back here in quarter number one. We got two great guests coming up this episode as well. Third quarter. We're going to talk to a guy. Well, I'm going to talk to him because neither of you guys could make the interview time, which uh, we'll just divulge that information. It's me flying solo in quarter number three with one Tanner Thompson from the Albany Firewolves. And uh, we had to talk Firewolves this week with what they accomplished. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Albany in quarter four as well. Uh, haymakers being thrown around on Twitter early in the season. Uh, Quarter four, Lax Class Locks. I got to take some heat in the fourth. I screwed up the parlay this week. Uh, Who You Got is coming up week two edition as well, which means we have our first weekly winner, which is exciting. Uh, Talking about haymakers there, Evan, you took one right on the chin. Uh, So (laughs) lots to talk about this week here on uh, EP. Oh, I forgot to mention who's in quarter two. I should probably do that, guys. It's none other than the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League, Brett Froude, will join us in the second quarter. Well, Evan and I. And we have a good, long conversation with Brett Froude that I think you're really going to enjoy. So let's get into this, fellas. Let's not waste any more time. I hope you've been practicing, Tino, because it's time for the Stampede Stallions. Let's head for the stables, partners.
2: Okay, hey, you ready? First one in uh, a while. Give it, to, <clears throat> give it to me. Here we go. Nay, nay,
1: nay. <laughs> Evan, <laughs> your turn. No, you one, know, one time, you know, one no. time.
0: Right. uh Am I might not okay? This is
1: your week. This is with this is it, Evan. You you can join in Stampy Tax Stallions this week. If you do not give me a horse noise next week, you're you're <laughs> you doing so
0: much good work for Kevin. He your knows. Your
1: Mike is getting <clears throat> muted next week uh-huh. during this uh-huh. Just just gonna warn you right now. No, that's that easy and it's done. We're gonna give you the opportunity right now.
0: No, go go ahead. Uh, okay. let's, let's, let's move.
1: Stampede Stallions of the Week are back as well. Brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear, of course. All the new styles of Blundstone boots are at Stampede Tack right now. They're out there in Cloverdale at the corner of Highway 10 and 180th. They've been there since 1966. Quick math, Evan. How many years is that? 1966 to now?
0: It would be 56.
1: 56 years. Math guy. Out there in the Dale. Yeah, math guy. Big time math guy. Or you can shop online because it's still shopping local. Kids, women's, men's, classy, you know, the kick arounds. Uh, They got them all. I've been seeing a lot of Blundstones out on the streets of the lower mainland last couple of weeks. It's Blundstone season. Get them at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Stampede stallions of the week. Uh, Tino, I'm going to let you go first. Who is your stallion of the week?
2: Yeah, so I'm going to go to the first game of the season, the first game of the weekend, uh, Halifax versus Philly. And although Halifax dominated this game, I just kept finding myself noticing Blaze Reardon. And who else are you going to notice on Philly? He's one of the only guys that did anything. But I just kept feeling this. Every time I was watching him on offense with the ball, I just kept thinking, man, this guy is the heart and soul of this team. He's trying, no matter what the score, he's trying to just drag the wings into the fight. And ultimately, they weren't very responsive. It was mostly just Blaze doing everything. But five goals on the night on 11 shots. And he's he's driving. He's shooting from the outside. He's, he's mucking it up in the middle. He's doing pretty much everything. So... I don't know. That that wasn't a great start to the season, obviously for Philly. But what a start for Blaze!
1: He plays hard, man. He plays really hard, and I think you know that almost that kind of performance there. You know, I know it comes in a winning or a losing effort, but that's really when we started doing the Stallion of the Week. It was kind of to, like, recognize guys from yesteryear that might not end up in the Hall of Fame but had, like, really solid careers, underrated guys, guys that flew under the radar. And I don't know if Blaze is doing that, but that performance, kind of dragging his team into the fight, playing hard regardless of the score, that's what a stallion was originally all about. So I like the selection there. Thank you. Evan, anything uh, on Blaze Reardon before we hear me, your stallion. Well, and,
0: and I I would love to see what Blaze Reardon could do as a an attackman in the field game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it'll, it'll never happen because he's too good of a goalie. But mm-hmm. he would be so dangerous up front with that much more space. I don't know, uh, you know, big how they would stop him. Yeah, big,
1: and he and Rambo obviously have something cooking together. Like those two are pretty
0: pretty seamless together. All right, give me your stallion. I'm a little off the board, too. Um, And, you know, when you go back to the rush destruction of the the Mammoth there on Saturday night, you know, you could talk about Mark Matthews. You could talk about Robert Church. The guy I'm going to talk about is the guy that I think was missing all last year because he was in Vancouver, and that's Marty Dinsdale. Mm. This is a guy that during their championship runs was their crasher, banger, setting the picks for everybody else. And he had an eight point night hat trick to go with it. And I think he was the main catalyst to get that rush offense back on track. So, for those reasons, it's Marty Dinsdale.
1: Marty, Matthew, Dinsdale, I like it as well. And I, you know, I I loved having Marty here in in Vancouver's Coquitlam Boy. We all know this. And and I'm a big Marty Dinsdale fan. But I just kind of, you just kind of feel like Dinsdale belongs in Saskatchewan. Like that's, that's where he made his name. I know he, Calgary. But it's Saskatchewan where Dinsdale has had the most success. And he just looks right in a rush Jersey. So uh, happy to see Marty thriving and join the stable. I'll probably go a little more traditional here. Like I was thinking a number of different guys. I have a hard time giving it to a guy in in a losing cause. So I didn't really want to do that. Jeff Teat with his, his 12 points would have been a pretty easy pick. I was thinking goaltenders, you know, Dougie Jameson was sensational against Buffalo, holding that team to 10 goals is no easy feat. It was great to see Rylan Hartley back in between the pipes and, and playing well for the Rochester Nighthawks. Tanner Thompson, well, I was going to give it to him, but then he's a guest on the show, so he did not really want to do that. I think we've actually done that before. But uh, my Stampede Stallion of the Week this week is going to Connor fields who went from being a buffalo bandit left unprotected exposed in the expansion draft to being picked up by Mike Hazen and the Nighthawks and at first none too happy about it insulted quite frankly that he was the guy that was left unprotected to be selected and ends up ultimately in Rochester and casually puts up 11 points in his first outing as a Nighthawk. And now, instead of being down the depth chart behind the likes of Byrne and Kluche, Connor Fields is going to be the number one there in Roch and looks pretty good on him. And I think Fields is going to have a monster year in
2: upstate New York. Yeah, I I love that. and And I like the take as well that he's going to be the guy in in Rochester because from my experience in watching him even in the field game like when the PLL first started and he was on Chaos like he was certainly not the guy he wasn't really a shooter like he's he's a he's a skill guy he he's got the hands yeah
1: he creates yeah. and i think he needs to be that's what makes him successful right like he some guys can fall into that mold where they don't need all the touches and and have the ball go through their stick all the time and have a certain amount of shots per game and can still be productive and other guys, they need it. And I think fields is one of those guys. And if you
2: give him that opportunity, he's more than willing and capable of carrying the load. Yeah. And I've just, I've always looked at him as, as that skill guy that's going to get to the crease and throw a bunch of fakes or, or throw like a wild backhanded pass. Like, north to south or whatever it's going to be. So to see him score that natural hat trick mm. from the same spot, from basically the the top of the dotted line, essentially, I, I was kind of blown away. Like, where's this shot been your entire career? Like, holy, I can't wait
0: to see how he builds off this.
1: Yeah, up for the Tawaraton back there as well. Uh, Evan, thoughts on well, Carter that,
0: That's the thing is that, you know, we were kind of sleeping on Rochester, and I think maybe we got woken up a bit. Because, what was it, plus 7,500 for them to win the title? Mm. Um, you know, how much Georgia, you know, the Georgia goaltending situation changed that, we don't know. But, you know, for him to step into this and obviously chip on his shoulder and have that ability to take a bigger leadership role, whereas in Buffalo he's more in a support role, you know, it's going to do him a world of good.
1: Yeah. I agree. And, you know, we didn't even really recap the scores from from week one here, guys, and we should probably do that. I don't want to spend a, a bunch of time on each game, but the general kind of theme here is I think after one week of play, it's it's overreaction Monday like people are either freaking out, thinking their team is just a world beater and absolutely a, a huge wagon and unbeatable, and there's other fan bases that are going, we might not win a game this year, and we just got our doors blown off us, and this is, you know, and and, and down in the dumps and in, into de- deep depression here. I think everybody just needs to relax a little bit here, and let's wait three, four, five games to see where the cream is going to rise and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Halifax but, has but their, how, what?
0: How, how much did your power rankings change this week?
1: Well, they have to, right? I mean, I put teams that haven't even played a game ahead of some other teams because of the performance they had. But that's what power rankings are. And, I, you know, power rankings, Schmauer rankings, as far as I'm concerned. Like, I, I think it's. I don't want to get off my tangent of power rankings. I just want to talk about some of the scores here. Big time offensive performance from Halifax. They come stormy out of the gates and they hand Philly a 10 goal loss, 18 to eight. And Halifax was clicking on all cylinders. And it looked like Philadelphia was running on about two and a half. I don't think Halifax is going to be able to keep that up all season long. They might but I don't think Philly is anywhere near as bad as they looked for their first outing. As I would say for Vancouver, who essentially played their first exhibition game of the season because they didn't play any in preseason and it kind of looked like it right. Going up against a different team. And it just so happened that they're going up against one of the odds on favorites to win the entire championship this year and to do it flying across the country with a super early shoot-around and then an early face-off there in Hamilton. That's a tough circumstance to go and try and win your first game against a Toronto Rock team without having played an exhibition game. And it was a 10-goal win for Toronto. Toronto is going to be a very good team. I don't think Vancouver showed anything near what they're capable of. Let's see what happens this weekend. Maybe the game of the week going down in New York, 15-14 San Diego over the Riptide. Like I mentioned, Teat with 12. Crowley and Dixon making their San Diego debut, and they just kind of did enough to win that game. Big fourth quarter push by the Riptide comes up a goal short. Albany squeaking one out in Buffalo. That's a massive win for the Firewolves in Chime in here anytime you want, guys. Uh, I'm not looking at the camera, so if you (laughs) want to say something, just just fire away here. But Albany, major win for that young team, brand new offense, going into Buffalo, a division rival, and getting an early win on the season to give that team belief. That is huge for the Albany Firewalls and their confidence.
0: You know, Dougie, we we said it before, Dougie's going to have to steal a few games, right? And he did. You, you,
2: you kind of took the words out of my mouth there, Evan. I was going to say Dougie was Dougie. But yeah. That's, that's yeah, exactly well, I, what we said.
1: And I had through. a quick chat with Clarkie, and that, that was kind of my my comment, to I'm like, that was Albany Firewolves lacrosse right there. Grind 10-9, 11-10, and Dougie plays unworldly, and, and he gets contributions from all over his roster, and away they go. So a big win in bandit land, but don't panic, Buffalo. Like, you're still... Got a pretty good team there in buff. This may be one of the biggest surprises of the weekend for me, and that was the Rochester Nighthawks, who I think were down at halftime.
0: Yeah, 9 6 and then 22 minutes without a goal, or 24 minutes without a goal for Georgia.
1: Well, there you go. And they go away winning this one in Georgia by a five spot here, 16 11. And I don't know how great either of these teams are going to be all season long, but Rochester surprised me. And I think they surprised the Georgia Swarm as well as a lot of changes there in Georgia. And I think they felt the effects of that with the retirements and the injuries. And Rochester came in on on a mission a little bit, and they beat the Swarm by five pretty convincingly. And then you, you move to Saskatchewan for the final game of the evening, defending champs in Rushland. And I kind of flip flopped on this last week on who you got, guys, on who I was going to take in this game, and I wasn't, you know, back and forth. Ended up on Saskatchewan just because they were kind of at home, but then you factor in all the injury issues that Colorado had coming into this game. Maybe a little hangover there from the championship playing into June last season as well, and a bunch of guys on on PLL rosters and whatever. They just they looked lifeless a little bit. Did the Mammoth and the rush looked like? Hey, last year was an anomaly, and we're about to make a statement here on our home floor, and rarely do you see teams hang 19 on a Dylan Ward goaltended team, and the rush mm. just blew, they blew the doors off them. Yeah, now, very they banged up, Mammoth team, they're going to be a lot better than what they showed on Saturday night as well. So the general yeah, I mean, theme, um, Evan, is just, you know, pump your brakes a little bit, Because I don't think all the teams that blew everyone away are as good as everybody thinks, and I don't think all the teams that got blown out are as bad as everyone thinks.
0: No, the Rush got 63 shots, which, to be frankly honest, every time Colorado beats Saskatchewan in Saskatchewan, it's the Rush having an unworldly number of shots, and Dylan Ward stands on his head. Dylan Ward had a stinker, so that means whoever they play next, he's probably going to Absolutely shut the doors. Take his, the under. But the the thing, the real difference in this game was the rush. Absolutely had Joey Capito and a few others tied up. They didn't get any transition chances. The rush had a slew of them plus six power play goals. Yeah. Marshall Palace with can I a add Stinger. As well,
1: there,
2: did you the, see that Marshall the, Palace goal? Yeah, the, those. <laughs> I know everybody in the league now is doing, uh, excuse me, are doing like these crazy graphics on their helmets and stuff. Mm. Those rush green helmets are sneaky. Good. Sneaky Those good. are sneaky. Good. Oh, They're so is. simple. Just that dark green. Loved it. Wait till you see the homes for the warriors. Tino. know, that's all I'm going to say
1: right there. So there's your quick recap. I don't know how quick that actually was, but there is your recap of game Whoa. one
0: action. You got something else here? Em? Yeah. I mean, one thing with Toronto, like, what did they have? At one stage, they had as many defensive goals as the Warriors had goals. Mm-hmm. And what Misha just knew, had a hat trick. <laughs> you know, we were worried about what the transition game with Challen coming out the back door was. Well, they did just fine. Toronto is going to be a problem. They are, <laughs> are going
1: to be a problem for a lot of teams. I'm saying that right now. They are a good, good lacrosse team. All right, Uh, big quarter one is done, which means we're moving to quarter two, and we got a big interview on the other side as the big boss, the man in charge of the National Lacrosse League, Commissioner Brett Frude, will join us here on Lax Class. Keep it right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network.
0: This is Zach Manns of the Toronto Rock, you're listening to Lax Class. Welcome back to Lax
1: Class as we move into quarter number two here. Jake Kelly, Devin are with you. Rycor Construction are with us as well. They're back on board for 2023. And you know by now, but just in case you don't, they make it stand out at Rycor Construction. Interior, exterior renovations, de- decks, fences, kitchens, bathrooms, you name it. You need something done. Get a hold of Rycor Construction. They'll make it stand out for you, ca. Now, back on the podcast uh, for a second time here, the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League, Brett Frude, rejoins the podcast. Brett, thanks for doing this. I know you just uh, returned home from a bit of a whirlwind weekend. Uh, stops in Halifax and Buffalo your first weekend of live National Lacrosse League action after uh, a few months on the job now, but let's uh, let's start with the games. I haven't had a chance to get to Halifax, Banditland, a number of times for sure, but never to the nest. How was Halifax? How was Buffalo? And your first weekend experiencing live National Lacrosse League action?
3: Yeah. Hey, Jake. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Great weekend. And you left out Toronto in between. Oh, excuse me. So it was, so it was good. Me, Halifax to Toronto to Buffalo. Three uh, obviously dynamic settings and venues for our league, and each with a their own bit of DNA. So it was it was pretty exciting. Starting off in Halifax, pretty rabid crowd there, and and obviously saw a very talented and uh, Halifax team with quite a bit of depth. So great start to the to the season for sure. And then making way to those other venues was um, it was it was neat to just see the different demographics and and fanship at each of them. Um, and then spend time with, with six of our, our teams in our league and the owners. So it was, uh, it was a good, good weekend to get back into the mix. And obviously playing lacrosse is, is fun and, and what this league is all about the product.
1: And you get a little taste of what NLL life is like, I guess, a little bit, Brett, uh, you know, traveling over the weekend and airports and, uh, jet lag and all that sort of stuff.
3: Well, you gotta, you gotta remember I'm coming from a sport that. Oh, um, every weekend.
1: Go, yeah. You're, you're, Yeah, <laughs> it
3: goes from, it goes from February to November 38 races. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're used to it. And, but, but ultimately, I mean, that, that's why we're doing it. We're in this, this world of professional sports and it's about the competition. And, you know, while the last three months have, have certainly been fun and, and, you know, educating, um, from from a total you know grinding perspective it's this is what it's about it's going to the games it's watching the competition it's seeing the product we've got world-class athletes um and, and i'll tell you being i hadn't been to a game in a couple of years on the box standpoint but being there and um watching the players we have in this league it's uh it was it was completely enlightening relative to just the quality of play seeing it in person for the first time in a couple of years.
0: One of the things that's going to be coming up in about a week and a half is the Vegas home opener, a uh, brand new market. Still a relatively young market. It's only had pro sports there for about 5 years. Uh six, ticket sales when I was there last time is my second home of course, um seeing we were very strong. What are you hearing? What are you looking forward to in Vegas?
3: Yeah, I mean, just the fact we've got Joe Tsai and, and the great one and Steve Nash and Dustin Johnson from an ownership group is exciting. So so not only for our league, first first game for, for a lot of those guys from a lacrosse ownership. Um, you know, overall expansion to Vegas is really exciting and opens up a, a whole new market for our league that, that is different than all the rest. And you just look at the, just from the casino side of it, You know, a place that has, what, close to 50 million visitors a year. Wow, Um, really? And, yeah, Yeah. I mean, there's probably Las Vegas is a city. Yeah, they're probably maybe one and a half to two million folks. But then, and then churning in close to 50 on an annual basis. Something like
0: 300,000 rooms.
3: Yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's and and then they've they've turned into this city of of, of obviously professional sports with the NFL franchise, NHL, WN, WNBA, um, and they already had AAA basketball and AHL and G League. So
1: NASCAR race coming too, Brett. NASCAR race. Yep, race.
3: there is F one race coming. So you know this is turning into a bit of an epicenter for for sports here in America and um i'm excited it's going to be it's going to be quite quite the show for us and and i couldn't think of a a, be- a better place for for that new
1: franchise and excited for for next friday night yeah and it sounds like season tickets are going very well and the buzz is definitely there as we speak with brett frood and man uh maybe we we stick on vegas here for a second brett because you know i think with the emergence of pro sports being in las vegas and and the legalization of gambling on sports has become very uh popular and and people are getting interested in this and 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 into it um, we've seen a number of teams around the national lacrosse league with partnerships with sports betting companies and mgm and coolbet and and a few others how important is it to have this part of the national lacrosse league and and engage uh, maybe another demographic that this league has never seen before.
3: Yeah, it, it's important. Um, it's it's it goes with the whole master plan, right? Though is just how do you bring fans closer to the teams in the league? And, and I think when you get into kind of the the fantasy sports and the gambling side of it, it certainly has proven to do that. And and we're going to have a number of initiatives that. That work on achieving that goal. But um yeah, it's 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 pretty important. And and you've seen it, the popularity of sports gambling has been exponential around this world. And, you know, not just, you know, the legalization now is what in 20 plus states, and we're working on legislation and a couple more. I know Texas will be a big one over the next couple of years, which is gonna be big, but it 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 has changed the sports viewing landscape for sure. And as you mentioned, just creates new ways for fans to engage with teams and organizations. And we, I think it's important that we hit all these, all the demographics relative to the fanscape and and Gen Z is an important one, um, which is leading the surge of sports betting. And I, you know, I was up in Halifax and I'd say that that was the, the number of of fans there that were in that 20 to 35 um demo was extremely high yeah. um so I, I know we if we get to a place where we're allowed to do some Prop bets and in-game sports betting—we're um, going to be able to
1: take this to to whole new levels. So, so and that's, I'm
0: excited about that.
1: That's the demo that the National Lacrosse League is really targeting too, right, Brett? That Gen Z, 20 to 30 sports fan, that next generation of sports fan that we want to keep around for a long, long time. I think would be the main focus. I know you want the wide spectrum, but those those are the ones, right?
3: Yeah, they're an important, they're an important um, vertical for sure. But when I think about the the lacrosse landscape, we've got a strong endemic following, but there is just such massive potential across every sector, every fan, you know, and I, I spent a lot of time in the stands over the last few, uh, over the weekend and just interacting with different folks. And some that had never been to a lacrosse game had never even seen lacrosse in their life that were. Engaging with social media and excited, and told me they'd be back. You had some that have, have are avids and have been coming for years, and in between. So I wouldn't say there is a, a specific vertical demographic that is kind of our must-have for us. It's it's all of them, and there's so much potential across the bandwidth for sure.
0: We had a conversation with Nick Sakevich from Mustard about three years ago, where we he went into some detail about expansion plans. You know, he wanted to get to 16. He wanted to pump the brakes on it a bit, but then get to 24. Of course, that was pre-COVID, you know, post-COVID. We've seen some teams thrive. We've seen some teams struggle to get people back in the door. Is the the, uh, plan to keep the expansion going or is it time to start to strengthen some of these teams?
3: Yeah, I mean, right now my priority is certainly the the 15 teams we have and, and those owners and building enterprise value and and you know, continually fortifying the pillars of that. Um ultimately, I think there'll be some expansion. Um and I know there's a, currently a, a bunch of inbound opportunities um with folks reaching out, but we've really got to make sure we know where our DNA is, establish a a very strong 360 degree brand strategy, build really strong corporate partnerships, continue to amplify our media deals. Um, and turn around the business model. So we've got a continuous prof- profitable um, and positive EBITDA for our teams. And then it becomes so much easier to start talking expansion um, in an elevated way. Because um, at that point, it, uh, enterprise value is self-fulfilling. You, so, you're going to have to help
1: me out here, Brad. EBITDA. Yep. Right? That's a new word for me. I yeah. love new Accounting words. Accounting term.
0: Yeah. Okay. Earnings okay. <laughs> before income tax depreciation. Oh, making at, money. Making at, money. Gotcha,
3: gotcha.
0: Uh, <laughs> right. We, we've we uh,
3: it, it's it's the, the great thing is we've got this this wonderful product and, you know, 36 year in the league, but and very vested and sophisticated owners. But it's important, you know, that that these guys can sustain themselves into perpetuity. And that's really just fortifying what we have and building a strong commercial property and increasing our fans. And then we can start talking in a little more depth into expansion right now, certainly not a priority of mine.
1: Yeah. It would be nice to get to that 16th team and and balance things out in the East and West, I'm sure. But uh, I think that's the other thing, Brett, that people kind of need to remember here a little bit, the NLL going into its 36th year, kind of sounds like a long time, but in the reality of being a professional sports league, it's still pretty young and in its infancy compared to the other major leagues around it, NFL, NBA, NHL, even NASCAR. Um, It's still pretty young and and the growth and and stability and and all that sort of stuff takes some time to get to that level. It just doesn't happen in a a short amount of time.
3: Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It's uh, the fun thing is it's, It's certainly not a startup because of what we just talked about. 36 years, we've got this this phenomenal product that we've talked about. We've got this this strong ownership group, um, 15 iconic North American franchise locations, and an avid, as you guys well know, an avid and highly engaging fan base. So you've got these obviously strong pillars, and it's our job now just to build off of them, and that's what's so, so exciting. I think it's easy to see the potential there um, of where we can continue to really take the league over the next several years.
0: One of the things that's occurred, of course, over the last couple of years is the emergence of the outdoor league, maybe we call it the PLL. Um, it's a bit of a rocky start in relations there where they even refuse to recognize the NLL's existence. It's coming around a little bit more and more What's the relationship like now? Is there any plans to try and strengthen how both leagues can work together to improve the product?
1: Well, I think we had, sorry, Brad, I think that there's already correct me if I'm wrong here, Brett, but I think a step's already been kind of taken in that regard where you've shortened up the NLL season uh, playoff wise. And to add to the fact that you got an owner in, in Joe side that is involved with both leagues, that relationship really does need to be strong.
3: Yeah, I mean, listen. Ultimately, when you when you think of us, the PLL and and several other entities, and we think about US Lacrosse and World Lacrosse, all of our goals is to grow this game, um, whether it's indoor or outdoor sixes, whatever the format. It's it's really taking our endemic fan and continually um, creating exponential growth from a fanship standpoint. In my opinion, if, if we're doing a good job from a marketing and brand standpoint and, and putting 16 17,000 people, eighteen, and showing up at Bandit Land, PLL is going to benefit from there and vice versa. So... I think it's really important um, that all of us, all these key constituents, get together um, and and find synergies and work together to grow it. Um, and, you know, obviously, the PLL has done a phenomenal job. They're playing during the summer, the spring and the end of the spring and in the, in the summer. Um, and they've got a great product, um, have done a wonderful job marketing, and, and I'm a fan of their league. And I know, um, relative to speaking to to those guys, um, and, and you look at some of the players that cross over, they think highly of ours as well. Um, and as you mentioned, Jake, there's been a little bit of a conflict on the on the scheduling side, um, which we got to continue to work through because we've we've got to certainly achieve our goals from the indoor and, and make sure we're maximizing season and getting the focus on on getting the eyeballs focused when they need to be. Um, and they're trying to do the same. Sure. So I, I don't I wouldn't say we're in conflict in any way, um, but there there's we, we've certainly got to navigate some challenges over time. But I feel like we're
1: all rowing in the same direction here with Brett Fruit, commissioner of the National Lacrosse League. And since we started talking a little field across here for a second, but I just got triggered. I got to give you a congratulations to you and your son, who's uh, going to continue the legacy at uh, brown lacrosse if i'm not mistaken here this is really exciting stuff for you and your family you went there and now now your son's going to follow in your footsteps yeah
3: certainly a a proud moment it's uh the whole process is obviously much different than when i was going through it in in the early 90s um fairly stressful and uh happened pretty quickly but yeah the once september 1st comes it's a it's a wild few weeks of visits and conversations and a 16 year old left with making life decisions (laughs) Um, (laughs) hopefully getting a bit of guidance from his from his parents Um, but yeah we uh we let him take an autonomous direction relative to that process and he owned it and we were there to support and He um he had a lot of great opportunities and with some coaches that I think so highly of, but but he ended up um, certainly at Brown, which was exciting for our family, and I I love obviously love the the coaching staff there and everything about the program, so I appreciate uh, that.
1: What's the kind of the craziest thing? you had to experience as far as the recruiting process, like the coach come and knock on your door at midnight uh, when the recruiting door opened or, you know, show up with a uh, keys to a, a car on the down low or something like that. What, <laughs> what, what was the craziest thing you had? Honestly, it's just the, just based on my previous experiences, right.
3: When I, when I went through the process and much of us uh, that are on the older side, right. It was, it happened more your senior year and, Social media wasn't part of it, and it was just the process was different for for these kids. Now it's it's it is a bit overwhelming that September first midnight comes, and they've got phone calls and texts, and setting up calls the next morning. And you know, over the course of a twenty four hour period, some of them are talking, you know, to ten to fifteen division one head coaches, um, and then setting up the visits and trying to figure out you know what makes the most sense for them. Uh, long-term. So it's, I don't know that anything was surprising. It's just a, it's yeah. a very tedious um, and overwhelming process for 16 year old kids who, at least from my experience, have trouble on a daily basis, making some <laughs> wise decisions. I know so, I did.
1: I know I did at 16. Yeah. There, I can yeah. Tell so
3: that. asking them to, asking them to, to do that is, is, is pretty interesting. But um It's it's great. There's obviously a lot of opportunities across North America, Canada, and the U.S. for for kids to that have been working hard from from the time they've been either on a box field or a field field um, over the years to to hopefully turn it into a, a college experience. So it's exciting times for a lot a number of kids.
0: One of the changes, of course, that was announced recently was the format change for the semifinals and finals to move it to a two weekend situation where games one and two are going to be played on week one and game three, if necessary, the following week. One of the questions I got from a lot of fans is, does that mean one team is hosting both games on the opening weekend or is there going to be some travel involved that opening weekend? Yeah, there'll be travel. There'll be travel and day off in
1: between or straight up back to back, Brett?
0: No,
3: we'll, we'll do time in between. We'll either do one or two days in between um and really for us it's the opportunity to play on Memorial Day weekend and couple that with with great broadcast opportunities especially with ESPN tied to the the college programming it is really exciting and we think about tune in and just growing up here um,
1: huge when, right when, absolutely yeah, massive about it. yeah so that was strategic had... on on your guys's part to marry it up with the final four on memorial day that was intended
3: yeah well it's twofold right it's you got to think of the big picture we we just talked about the PLL situation and just overall Um, How do we find synergies and mitigate challenges and Mm. do what's best for the global global side of lacrosse? And then you got to bring it down to our focus, which is is the NLL and what's going to be best for us. And having the opportunity to showcase our product on a weekend where you've got five, six hundred thousand people consuming college lacrosse games. Um, and hopefully creating tune in opportunities and overall take that momentum into our finals, which is, you guys saw, um, what our playoffs looked like last year. Uh, was there, was there a better
1: playoff in any professional sports? <laughs> They're like that every you know? year, just so you know, Brad, I mean, it was exceptional, uh, yeah. but well, that was,
3: that's recent memory for me, right? Yeah, Cause yeah. it
1: wasn't too long ago. Yeah. And,
3: you know, we look, look at some of the games this weekend, we're going to, in the competition level and, and, and it's, it's, we're going to build that momentum, um, and to know that we could have hundreds of thousands of people consuming our product at the end of May, um, it's it's going to be big. So yeah, it's it's it, cre- it may create some travel challenges. Um, guys are going to be grinding, and I, I know it's tough on them. But we we've got to we've got to find ways to continue to evolve. Um,
1: and put this product in, as, in as front of as many eyeballs as possible. Uh, I think it's fantastic and, and a great strategy, uh, quite frankly. as A few more minutes
0: here with the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League. One of the things also your predecessor discussed was the advent of full-time players and getting guys to a stage where lacrosse is their career as opposed to something they do on weekends and have a 9-to-5 job during the week. How close are we to seeing the advent of full-time lacrosse players?
3: Yeah, I don't know if I can put a timetable on it other than it's a goal of ours. And these guys, I mean, they're the elite, they're elite athletes um, and play in a big-time professional space. So it's certainly a goal um, for us. But I think there's we've we've got to check a number of boxes before we get there, and, and certainly the commercialization of our sport and putting a, in a in a broader context, and um, as we look at our you know distribution and figuring out ways to facilitate more consumption, you know all of those are boxes we need to check, um, and, and then we can we can hopefully move into the, the that that certainly those
1: initiatives. I don't know what it's been now, Brett. It's just over 3 months or so that you've kind of officially been been on the job and I think the CBA if I'm if I'm correct had just been kind of delivered right as you began your tenure. So I, I maybe I'll ask you this, you know, what have you learned in that time that you maybe didn't know when you first began the job
3: relative to the CBA?
1: And, well, and the just buyers? the the league in general, I would say. Brett, you know, maybe, yeah, and, you okay. know, some, yeah. some ownership stuff or, or what have you?
3: Yeah. I mean, and a number of takeaways, cause you know, it's been, it's been three months really listening and learning and getting to know the product, the processes, the governance, um, what our partnerships look like and call it the kind of the overall DNA of the league, And, um, at the same time in parallel is, is trying my best to forge meaningful and authentic relationships with all the constituents. And when I say constituents, um, it's not only the, our internal staff, right. The, the, the folks from the league that are working tirelessly every day, it's, it's our owners, um, it's the GMs, it's the coaches, it's, it's, um, our partners. And then, you know, just as important as all of all those is the players and because they're, you know, they're a vital vertical within this league, and and I I've, I've spent a, a number of hours um, with with Zach and Reed, um, who who obviously are at the forefront of working on behalf of the players, and um, just super articulate guys, um, not only world class lacrosse players um, that you know transcend the sport, but sound from a business standpoint and want to see this league grow. So. That's been nice um, to spend time and, and while you've kind of always got to work through sometimes challenges between kind of league initiatives and player initiatives. It's pretty easy to have those conversations if you know everyone's centered on on the right thing, which is turning this league into something really special um, and taking what certainly my predecessors have done a wonderful job doing and continually building on it. So that's been a good piece of it um, for sure. But you know, it's it's learning the CBA, the bylaws of the league, um, and you know, while I don't want to micromanage at any point, it's really it, it's been necessary to get deep into the weeds to identify exactly where we are. Um, And I think hopefully that will allow me to make some crucial observations over time that will help best shape a more defined strategy going forward. And, um, you know, I've seen a ton of positives relative to, you know, if I had to look at my 60-day, 75-day takeaways, there's, we've got... Is committed of team ownership um, as I've seen across any league and that leadership, that those owners are leaders. Um, They all have skilled human capital running their operations. And and I think our league does as well. We've got premier broadcast partners in TSN and ESPN and, and super excited, obviously that all of our games can be consumed one way or the other, whether it's on the linear broadcast or our streaming side um we've got you know as I saw this week going from Halifax to Toronto to Buffalo very avid passionate fans who love their teams um love lacrosse and a product that's on the field that is unmatched yeah. that we can continue to introduce to others so you know just those are a couple high level but um really excited about the the potential uh, both here where I am in America and then obviously continuing to grow in Canada, where it's obviously got quite a bit of strength within the the fiber of, of the country.
0: The last five years we've seen a major expansion, the number of American players in the league, which is great to see. How do we eventually get to the point where we start to see European players or players from Australia, Japan, and I guess what role does the NLL play in developing that talent? Yeah. Evan, you're getting, you're getting way beyond the scope. I've been thinking
3: about, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the, uh, you, you mentioned the American players. Hey, Albany did a hell of a job this week, right? With sure, a, did. sure did. With, um, taking on, on, on that role for sure. We we've got to, we've got to be much better here in America from a grassroots standpoint before I start thinking about Sweden and Australia and,
1: and Ukraine, um, <laughs> They wanted they, it, they st- can come here and get it, right, Brett? <laughs> well, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Baby steps here. Baby yeah, of steps, of course. Um,
3: what I did say is, and I think we talked about it that the first time we were on, is spending time in in Canada and specifically Ontario, and and I know how I know how strong it is out where you guys are as well.
1: Yeah,
3: um, it's it starts early. I, I got to that Toronto game. Uh, maybe two and a half hours before it started, and was was talking to Jamie on on the field, and the kids were showing up two hours early watching the the pre pre warm up um, against the glass, and then he had a number of them out there with initiatives, and they had some games. They had a game at halftime. They had a game before. It's. It's, you know, it it is so influential, um, certainly over time in the growth of of the sport when you're doing it at such a young age. That's how we have been here domestically on the field side. Um, We have a lot of work to do from a grassroots standpoint here. And while there are some Americans that are successful and certainly growing within the league, and you look at a guy like Schreiber, um, and, you know, and Rambo and, you know, blaze reared and let it up this week. Right. Um, best field goalie in the world. And he's, you know, he's, um, he's contorting his body with, you know, unbelievable highlight reel goals. So that is exciting, but when we look at volume, we've got what six, seven percent of the league um, is American, and and then we've got the rest from a from certainly an Indigenous and Canadian standpoint. It's it's a place where we need to focus attention.
1: Absolutely, last one here for for me, Brad. And I know you know watching and listening to some of your other interviews, the the corp corporate partnerships have been a, a huge emphasis for you. And and I kind of wonder, I guess, how that is going and maybe what type of partners are the NLL seeking to align with?
3: Yeah, I mean, facilitating authentic and value-laden corporate partnerships is going to be vital to our success. And when I say value-laden, that cuts both ways. So we've got to be We've got to facilitate relationships with companies that identify with our fan base and can achieve ROI. And for us, it's important, and for me specifically, it's important to know what our DNA is. How are we perceived um, by our fans? What? How do we want everyone globally, new fans, to consume us from a brand standpoint. And then we're able to tell a very consistent story, which will help us create that match with corporate America. Um, because for them, it's it's that's their goal, right? If someone's spending money with us, they want to know that they connect with the hundreds of thousands, millions of people that are lacrosse fans, specifically indoor NLL box fans. Um, and we've got to become storytellers and create those, those connections between the two. And then we'll have long-term partners. And then what those partners are all also able to do for us is amplify our league. And for me, a partner isn't somebody who just spends some money and and puts a billboard out. Um, I want folks that are potentially doing national commercials. They are on YouTube and every digital platform utilizing our players, our teams um, as influencers and talking about their product. And that is how you grow that's how you grow more fans. Um, it's, and not only are we working for them, they're working for us. And, um, it's a, it's, it's an evolution for sure. To your question of where are we on that? Um, we're taking our time. Because I we I want long-term sustainable partnerships um, that are rooted in the things I just spoke about, and not just be going out with a you know two-page deck that says this is lacrosse we got a great product come join us um, buy some billboards so. It's um, now actually the fact we're actually playing now will help that process Um, and being able to bring people to some games. And, uh, you know, I was obviously fortunate to go to three um, pretty unreal venues to to start the season. as you guys, we talked about when I before we jumped on today, heading to Vegas next, um, we've just got when we look across the league and you, you think about our friends in Fort Worth and San Diego. And then you go to Vancouver and Calgary and Saskatchewan, um, you know, and then we head back East and Buffalo, Rochester, Albany, like there isn't a venue that I'm not excited to go to and know that there isn't a rabid fan base. Um, So from a corporate perspective, we've got North America covered from East to West and in between, just feel like there's going to be some really exciting opportunities to make, make really impactful connections for us.
1: Well, I can't wait to see it all roll out, Brett, and uh, hope you make that trip to Vancouver uh, in short order so we can uh, have a meet face-to-face. I look forward to that as well. And appreciate your time here on Lacrosse Classified. As always, uh, that was fantastic stuff, and uh, best of luck with the rest of the season here. All right. Thanks,
3: guys. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon.
1: Yes, we will. Right there, the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League, Brett Fruitt and Evan, you know, that was a fantastic 30 minutes of conversation right there with Brett. Mm-hmm. And you just listen to this man talk. He is an intelligent individual that has a clear vision on where he wants this league to go and a much different personality and and person than Nick Sakevich was and Nick did a lot of good things in this league, including, you know, getting us up to fifteen teams and some, some good sponsorships and what have you. But man, do you not just feel some sort of peace come out over you listening to his talk listening to him talk and where he sees this league now and where he sees it going and he just really seems to have a clear plan and vision in place, ready to take this thing. To new heights where it's never been before.
0: Yeah, well, one of the bits of feedback I got from fans was, you know, they never hear from like that's him. Okay. They Never see him, but that's okay because I think back, David Stern, right? David Stern in his initial days, you rarely saw him. What did he do? He focused on growing the business.
2: Yeah, and he's now doing the this NBA job. was
0: nothing when he took over. Right? It's now this massive enterprise. Gary Bettman in his early days did not make many public appearances. It wasn't until much later he started to do that. There is a business that needs to be focused on in the NLL, not only for expansion, but we got to make sure that these other teams are doing well so we don't retract like we did in the past, right? And He's get those revenue streams and what have you, it's critical to get this league from a part-time employee to a full-time employee. More than 18 games a season. There's a lot of work to get done to get there. Well, and I'm
1: just so happy that he's not in a rush to do any of it, right? Like, he's Mm -hmm. really sitting back, evaluating the entire landscape of the players, the ownerships, the partners that they have in place, the media side of things, the social media side of things. Like, he's sitting back, evaluating it all, and then he's going to make some real concise decisions when the time is right. And, And I think it's just a... It's almost like a polar opposite of of the leadership group that was in place before, and it just it gives me a real sense of security after talking with Brett that we're we're heading in the right direction and the right man is in charge. I really feel that.
0: Yeah. No. I, I, and keep in mind, this guy ran one of the most successful racing conglomerates there is. He knows what it takes. Right? Once again, NASCAR wasn't much when he started there. It is now grown into this monster, right?
1: Yeah. And uh, um, he doesn't need to to be out on the Twitter and Instagram and the Facebook no. and whatever else doing doing interviews on the daily. And we don't get me wrong; he just came on our podcast, which we totally appreciate. Yep. um But it's not something where he he needs to be out in front of a camera every single week talking about what he's done and and who he is and all the rest of it. So. Um, great conversation there with brett fruit appreciate Mm -hmm. his time we still got another quarter two quarters to go i'm flying solo with tanner thompson next and uh fourth quarter is on deck who you got week two lax class locks it's all coming up here on ep 213 of lacrosse classified on the lacrosse flash podcast network
2: associated labels and packaging a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service with 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. This is Reed Baring. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and Box Thrust. Welcome back to
1: Lacrosse Classified as we move into half number two here on episode 213. Jake Elliott with you and with us since day number one have been associated labels and packaging. They are the best in the business when it comes to labels and packages. They focus on people, ethics, quality, and of course, family owned down there in Coquitlam. Over 40 years of experience in the label and package business. Everything needs a label or a package. Get yours from Associated Labels and Packaging at AssociatedLP.com. Flying solo here for quarter number three, but not for long, as I'm about to welcome Tanner Thompson of the Albany Firewolves to the podcast. Welcome to Lax Class, Tanner. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, My pleasure, man. And uh, we've never really had a conversation before, which is not Something I can say about a lot of guys in the National Lacrosse League. So that's kind of part of the reason I want to do this. The other part was you and your Albany Firewolves had a fantastic opening week of the National Lacrosse League season, beating the Buffalo Bandits, and you were super instrumental in that win. Uh, Seven points on 11 goals for the Firewolves, man. That had to feel pretty good for you and, and the team as well.
4: Yeah, we were uh, we were buzzing. Uh, we're kind of on the same page right now in terms of how we want to play, which is really fast. So we kind of just kind of all clicked at a good time after a couple of preseason games and kind of went our way to be honest like we just kind of got some got some good shots off uh spread them out a little bit so we can get, get some room to work in the middle there so it was overall pretty well done i thought like we i had some more changes could have scored as well and, and it was a battle all night so, so it was definitely a fun one to start off the season
0: yeah it was kind of, a big
4: win like we were major underdogs so it was a huge conference <laughs> boost
1: yeah, i'm not gonna lie to you man i did not have the albany firewalls winning against the bandits in week one uh shame on me and kind of had a quick chat with uh with Glenn Clark last night and mentioned that I wanted to, to get you on the podcast and his you know first reply to me is he's so good that that must feel pretty good. like you hadn't heard that I don't know if he tells you that all the time or not but to hear that that your head coach and your general manager I said hey do you, you got Tanner's number I can get off you and that was his reply he's so good that has to feel pretty good to hear something like that
4: no, it definitely helps the confidence. Clark, he's a great, great guy for that. He really makes us feel confident in terms of he won't always tell you that you're doing a great job during the game or whatever, that sort of thing, but he'll always make sure that he, that you're like, you're in a good mindset. He's a player, player coach, I would say. So it's good to have him. It's good to have him as a coach for sure. It helps a lot.
1: Absolutely. And, and we'll talk more about that game. But anytime I talk to somebody new, Tanner, you know, the first thing I want to do is ask them how they found the game of lacrosse or how the game of lacrosse found you where did it all begin for you and uh, how old and all that sort of stuff
4: oh yeah so I was like two or three years old uh I'm not really sure why I went why I started playing lacrosse my dad kind of threw me into it I'm pretty sure we were family friends with the Shanahan's so I think that kind of was an influence as well um so I was two or three playing mimico lacrosse so yeah never never stopped either
1: that's you got Toronto listed down on your bio but you're a mimico boy through and through
4: I am, yeah. I'm, I'm. I live in Etobicoke, but Mimico was the closest hub, and it's ten minutes away, so it was it was kind of perfect.
1: You still keep in touch with the Shanahans? Yeah, of
4: course. The Mimico family is a great family, so it's we're all pretty tight with each other.
1: It it really is, and and I find that it's very kind of a similar parallel to to where I live in Coquitlam, where it really means something to to put on the double blue there in Mimico, just like it does here in Coquitlam, wearing the purple and gold. It's it's a lacrosse town through and through.
4: The one thing I noticed, especially nowadays, is a lot of the older guys are starting to come back and sort of, you know, watch the junior games or watch little kids, coach little kids in the the minor program. So it's been good to see sort of the the progress with that and I'm excited to see where it goes. Hopefully like we we keep doing that and a bunch more guys keep getting into the pros and we can keep that train going. But time will tell I guess. But yeah, it's a great spot to to, you know, especially if you have kids or whatever, you can definitely swing my own color cross and get a good time.
1: Yeah, it's it makes such a difference when you have elite or top level players coming back to coach the young kids coming up. And that's not something or a luxury that every minor organization has. And I think, you know, the more you do it and you look at the most successful organizations around the country, whether it be in BC, Ontario, Alberta, wherever, that's really the, the common theme and, and the difference maker is having guys that have played at the highest levels coming back to coach up the youth.
4: Yes, it's no secret for sure. Like there's so many, not that, not that not to say dads can't do a great job of sure. coaching if they've never played before. Of course they can. They can be great sports ever but there's something about just being, like you said, just being a pro and playing the game for so long that just helps you like not skip steps in the game when you're teaching, but teach them how to, you know, get the process going a little faster in terms of how, how to operate on the floor.
1: And that's something you're doing as well, right? You do a little coaching, if I'm not mistaken.
4: I do like coaching. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I've spent some time coaching, you know, edge and that sort of thing. And Mimico as well. Um, I'm looking to maybe coach in the future as well. So that's up my alley as well. So we'll see what happens in the next couple of years.
1: Focus on the playing career for now. All right. So two or three Mimico, Mimico minor all the way up uh, junior there as well uh run to the minto cup if i'm not mistaken too right yep it was a good it was
4: uh it was a lot of fun I, I spent two years in the beaches uh my first two years in the memico got junior a team so i got to choose whether i wanted to go back or not and i chose to go back uh we made a run there my last year and it was my brother was on the team as well so that was a lot of fun and we ended up running into mr doug jameson who <laughs> didn't score on, so then that was
1: that and now and <laughs> now he's on your team yep exactly Comes full, full, full circle. There you go. Uh, so what about after junior, as far as Canadian summer lacrosse goes, I think I saw Brampton listed on your bio and where, where are you caught up in that mix? Are you like own sound property, Excelsior property, free agent, where are you standing for summer lacrosse?
4: I'm um, own sound property. I'm not, I'm not really sure like what's, what was happening with that. I didn't know the deadlines. didn't really know what was going on in terms of the timing. So I kind of missed the boat on, you know, trying to play for a different team or whatever, or, or trying to make to make, make a squad. But yeah, I wasn't going to, Make that trip over to and sound.
1: <laughs> that's a that's a haul, hey! I've never done it, but uh, it sounds like you know most people from either whether they're residents of Brampton or Mimico, they want to stay home and, and play for the Excelsior sort of thing.
4: Exactly, yeah. It's just it's it's a lot, right? Like it's a it's a it's a, it's a after your full time job in the day, it's tough to go out to, out to those places for a three hour drive after work. So yeah, I think it's definitely better, more more comfortable at least to play play somewhere near Toronto.
1: I can dig it, and. Field across, uh spent some time at Marquette. Where is Marquette, by the way?
4: Milwaukee, Wisconsin.
1: Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And how did you find yourself down in Marquette?
4: Uh well I, I did a bunch of those recruiting trips back in the day, of course, like everyone everyone does. And then Coach Amplo and Coach Brundage found me somehow to the grapevine and then uh, i went went and visited and they it was the best decision I could have made. It was a great time. Milwaukee's a low key, cool town. It uh, made me grow up a lot in terms of how they coached us and, and how strict it was in terms of what you had to do. So it's kind of a kind of a full 180 from being from Canada and like it's less intense here, more like more chill, I guess, in terms of the game of lacrosse. Yeah. Um, not when you play it, but like the mindset around it. So I feel like that was a good jump for me to learn how. Know take take lacrosse seriously as as you you'll have to if you want to be become a pro. So it was good, definitely a great time. Yeah, good and it was pro- a lot of fun too, in, in, the, in the social life it was a great time too. Yeah, yeah,
1: well, I spent a little time with the Swarm in Minnesota, which is I believe just across the border from Wisconsin, and so I got a good idea of what the people were like, and they were fantastic back there. What was the the program like? Were you guys a good squad during your time there?
4: Yeah, we ended up winning a couple biggest championships. We beat Denver, who was an absolute wagon at the time with Baptiste and Berg and all those guys so that was that was a great time for sure uh winning that one I'll never forget that I got the rings in my room uh we ended up losing both game both years in the first round of the NCAA tournament though so we never quite made it as far as we wanted to but uh we were pretty good we had some studs we were uh new program so it was it was cool to see how quickly they turned it around and then when I came in it was kind of uh we were already kind of established and we could go from there it was fun
1: midi attack where'd you play
4: mishmash of everything okay uh, whatever the year needed me to needed me to be uh i'd say probably more midfield towards the end though
1: and did you have or do you have aspirations of playing pll would you like to be a professional field lacrosse player along with a box lacrosse player
4: yeah i'd definitely be up to it uh love lacrosse i'd be willing to do it all year uh, just, you know it's tough when there's only eight teams and there's so many good guys and it's a different game right so you got to kind of wait for a good opportunity or see what happens but it's got to play well in this season maybe maybe the, maybe the connection will work, well, work from.
1: it's funny you say that because you've kind of had an interesting journey to to get to where you are through the national lacrosse league as well you you get picked 16th overall so pretty highly touted coming out of the draft but you go to saskatchewan and i think maybe tenor correct me if i'm wrong we might have crossed paths there for one year but you were kind of on the fringe of things and weren't getting a lot of playing time, didn't really get a solid look in Saskatchewan before being dealt to New England. How difficult were those those first, you know, year in, in Saskatchewan where you get drafted up pretty high but then don't really get a, a legit shot to, to crack the lineup?
4: Yeah, it's tough, for sure. Like, you know, you know, inside you could do it and you're, you're capable of it. It's just a matter of getting the right opportunity and getting the right timing and, and figuring out how to you sort of work in an offense. And I think, you know, their team was was very solid like they had they had guys have been there for so long so i totally understood it was it was uh it was tough to not play obviously but I, I understood that it's a grind and your first two years three years in the league are always no matter what league nhl nfl any sort of league the first two years is always a grind um unless you're like you know jeff teed or whatever but <laughs>
1: uh but yeah Yeah. he's uh, pretty good so i'm
4: just that's where i am now
1: did the did the confidence ever waver like during those first couple of years tanner where you're like man like is is my opportunity gonna come do do i want to keep trying to bust my ass and 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 crack a line up here or was it always you know it's gonna come just keep working hard and 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 as soon as i get my shot i'm gonna make the most of it yeah, the
4: confidence is always there inside, especially after junior and, and having a good junior career and that sort of thing. So I was always there. But when you, when you don't play a game for so long, kind of thing, you kind of you kind of lose that actual in-game confidence. So you kind of got to work that back. So it's almost like it's almost like in golf when you don't play for like a week or like a long time, you just automatically suck. Like I didn't suck, <laughs> but it was like, okay, now I need to get the in-game confidence back, not just the mental confidence. Kind of putting them back together from when, from where they were.
1: And walk me through the move to New England. How did that all come about?
4: Uh, it was a week before COVID situation happened. Uh, I was traded to New England and then put in the active roster. And then that same week, COVID. So then I didn't end up getting enough. Oh the man,
1: that that must have been pretty <laughs> tough, eh? You're like, here it is, this is my shot, and then no.
4: Yeah, right away. A week a week into it, I was I was back to being done. So and then another weight happened. So it was it was tough, but it, it was a great good, good transition. They boys welcomed me pretty well. So good team, to, good team to go to.
1: Yeah, and then the move to Albany, of course, and and. You know, you get a year under your belt there. I think just 10 points in, in your first season. And, man, like uh, you come out in week one and, and pop seven in there. Was there a – did you hit like uh, a new step, a new gear here? What was the difference between a year ago and, and this year where you get – is it more touches? Is it being more of a focal point in the offense? Did you do some off-season training? What what was the difference coming into this season?
4: Oh, well, I definitely, definitely worked out a lot this season. I put on some, put on a little bit of weight. I was a pretty small dude before, so that definitely helps. I would say, um, but I think. In how terms much
1: Tanner, like tell, tell me what you were doing to, to put on the weight and how much weight did you put on to, and like, where did, where did you start and where are you at now?
4: I was just like, just crushing smoothies every day. I think smoothies were the key and just eating good meals. So I think I went from like 150, 155 ish the whole year to like 170, 175, 180 this, this summer. And then crazy after the after the game last week i lost like seven pounds in in <laughs> losing the water which is nuts um but yeah i think it, it's definitely helped a lot and then uh, i think just having the ball as well is also a little bit little bit more help i think we're we're a young fast team so we kind of just pass buzz pass buzz pass buzz around i think it, if it comes back around with the full shot clock i get the opportunity to you know, try to make a play at the end of the shot clock which has been uh pretty fun actually so yeah we'll just gotta keep it going
1: and you know I, you mentioned just getting an opportunity earlier. And, you know, I think the same can be said for Ethan Walker and, and maybe a couple other guys on that offense as well, Tanner, where, you know, you're down the depth chart on on other clubs, but here in Albany with all the the moves that were made in the offseason to, to load up on picks and guys that are going to be coming into the roster in the next year or two, this is the chance for, for guys like you and Ethan to get fresh a fresh start and and get a real opportunity to show that you can be a number one or a number two in this league. And do you think like everybody on that Albany firewalls is really kind of embracing that opportunity and and making the most of their opportunities?
4: Well, I think yeah, everyone's gonna definitely try to. Um I think it's gonna be a pretty unselfish offense in in terms of you know no one on our team has actually scored that many goals. So I think everyone sort of knows there's no egos. It's just pass the ball cut, find the right play, make the right play, and that's all we need to do. keep it simple you know, operate out, get some chemistry going. We, we just met all each other pretty much, you know, being a training camp. So we're still getting used to that sort of chemistry. We, we built a lot of it during training camp, but it's just about getting better every week. Like we just got to keep clicking, keep buzzing, keep talking to each other. And then just, it'll, it'll hopefully just works out. Like you control like your effort and your attitude. So that's all we really need to do.
1: Where's the ceiling with this Charlie Kitchen guy? He's pretty fun to watch, Tanner. Charlie's is a very quick dude for, for a big guy
4: like that. So it's fun to watch him buzz around out there. I think he's, He's learning how to set picks now too, which is interesting. It's me and three American guys on the right side, which is I've never been in, on, on that situation before. So it's fun seeing them sort of learn how to set those picks and, and, and get, get open in the middle there. So he's a big body, so he creates a lot of room, and we've just got to get that chemistry going, like I said.
1: Well, with all that being said, like I said to Clarky as well, that beating Buffalo it's great, but watching that game, that was kind of – Albany Firewolf lacrosse, if I've ever seen it, right? Grinding down a team, close, tight battles, a little low scoring, solid performance out of Dougie, low production out of the back end. And, you know, that's going to help as well, having that defense return pretty much intact as well. But I think that's the way the Albany Firewolves want to play. They want to get you in a 10-9, 11-10 type of game and, and just wear you down shift after shift.
4: Yeah, we're uh, like I said, we're very, very fast. Like our defense pushes the ball tremendously well. Um, Doggy's honestly, obviously the best, one of the best goalies in the league, or if not the best goal in the league. Um, I think we we sort of fit in terms of in terms of our new offense because we're all like I said, quick and small. So when the defense does push the ball up, we're we're right out there putting the pressure on the, on their defense. So I think that definitely helps as well. So I think our identity is going to be. Push the ball, play a D and work from the defense out and push the ball as fast as we can.
1: Here with Tanner Thompson of the Albany Firewalls. And I'll only keep you a couple more minutes here, Tanner. But uh, I know you got to work tonight. Did I see you're a bartender? Is that is that what you're doing when you're not playing lacrosse?
4: Yeah, for sure. When- yeah, I, like the, I like the social aspect of it. I'm, I work at uh, the Crooked Q in Etobicoke. It's a pool bar. Oh, a pool bar yeah
1: interesting interesting how long have you been doing that i mean that can't that can't be what the the degree was for at marquette what were you taking at school
4: no i took marketing and psychology at school uh i'm not really sure what i want to do after after the cross or, or in the meantime and in the, in the, you know, as as well as the cross. so i think just for now i'm going to stick to that and see what see where i want to go and hopefully hopefully something pops up in the near future but
1: all right and then well the other thing that's kind of popped up i i saw in your bio is uh you're a podcaster just like myself so chance for you to get a shameless plug here on lax glass what uh where what's your podcast called what's it about where can people find it
4: uh, it's, it's called good times ahead or gta uh it's on apple apple music spotify youtube uh we film it so it's it's on youtube there uh it's basically about just it's a lifestyle podcast we mostly have we have athletes on just talking about a mixture of you know how sports affected them not not just sports every every sort of walk of life but it's just bas- basically people's stories cool stories people have um, related to you know the mental health around it, um, what they learn, what they, what they want to take away from it, stuff like that. So it's just basically, just we pretty much just talk and shoot the shit for. <laughs> and,
1: you're, and you're saying we? Who? Who's we? You and my uh, my best buddy Nick Eustace. Yeah. Okay. And one more time, the title of it. Good times ahead. Good times ahead. I like I like it. Uh, hopefully there's good times ahead for you and, and the Albany Firewolves. You got week two off. You return to the Capital Region on December the 17th to take on those no good, dirty, rotten Rochester Nighthawks. Uh, Tanner, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate uh, you coming on and getting to know, uh, letting the fans get to know you a little bit along with me. And best of luck against the Nighthawks in the rest of the season, man. Thanks for doing this.
4: No problem. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. There you go. Tanner Thompson, Albany Firewalls. Tanner put up seven points in that week one victory over the Buffalo Bandits that just crushed my who you got picks uh, right out of the get go. I had Buffalo with an eight there. That was a tough soak and uh, that guy was a big reason for it. And I, and I really think, like I said earlier, I think guys like that Tanner Thompson's the Ethan Walker's and and some other guys around the league that, have not had the opportunity to get a bunch of touches in a in a constant run of games, are now getting that with some other clubs, and they're showing what they can do. And this is just one guy out of the entire league. There's a bunch of these guys that are going to make names for themselves in the coming years. That so was a great chat with Tanner Thompson. Evan and Tino will join me once again in quarter number four. You know what's coming up. It's Lax Class Locks and Stampede Tax, who you got for week number two. Stick with us here on EP213 of Lacrosse Classified. Hey,
0: this is Hall of Famer John Grant Jr. listening to Lax Class.
1: Welcome back to Lax Class as we are now into the fourth quarter of action, which means no more breaks here on the podcast. Uh, But we still have some things to talk about and discuss here on the pod. And one of them is for me to let you guys know to give us a follow on social media. You can follow Evan at Shemlax. You can follow Tino at Ferretino. You can follow me at PXP for sports. The show is lacrosse classified on Insta. It's LaxClass Class on Twitter. we got a Facebook page. And if you're not into all that social media kind of stuff, we've got an email address for you other people. At lacrosseclassified at gmail.com. If you don't use email, I cannot help you get in touch with us at the show. Everybody's got to use it. What else? Uh, Don't forget to subscribe and review the podcast Five Stars Only, please, as that really helps our engagement and outreach, which would be much appreciated. Got all that out of the way, guys. It's time for Lax Class Locks.
4: It's locked.
3: percent of a time. You're wrong. 48% of the time. I hear by the clam, luck going the
1: week. Ooh, a big luck, all right. Oh, Lex, Glass, locks. Sadly, no money dropped there, fellas, and uh, you can thank yours truly for that. And, well, you could probably thank the Buffalo Bandits or... Albany firewalls, depending on Did you hear that, Evan.
0: Did you hear that? Yeah, he actually admitted it was him this time. Yeah,
2: Yeah. I'll soak it. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. (laughs) Let's, let's, I I would love, I would love for the classmates to go and look at Evan's recent tweets Mm. and uh, how he uh, comes at me about uh, losing a bet. Oh no no no!
0: It wasn't coming after you. It was we gotta remind ourselves to go after the. Yeah, he Jake was that he reminding was.
2: you to take
1: shots at me, Tino. <laughs> oh, okay, I misunderstood
2: that and just but, took a shot back at Evan. But
1: yeah, you're just <laughs> looking to fight Evan, regardless. But here's the thing: when you're wrong and you own it, there's no shots to be taken. I screwed it up. It happens. So we'll move on from that. Uh, shame on you, bandits. That's all I can say. This week, uh, we'll try it again here for week two of National Lacrosse League action. Uh, since I got it wrong, I'll go first, if that makes any sense. And I'm just looking at the over-unders because I always find these pretty light week in the NLL this week as well. And I always find the, the over-unders just the most simplest of things to kind of look at and equate in my brain. And so far, with the exception of that Buffalo Albany game I think every other game went over last week I'm looking at this Vegas Panther City line at 21 and a half guys we've seen upwards of 24 and a half on some lines in some games this seems like a no brainer can't lose lax glass lock to me if I've ever seen one give me the over at minus 110 between Panther City and Las Vegas
0: I like that one because if you look at Panther City's performance in the end of last year, almost every game was between 13 and 17 goals on their own.
1: Vegas is going to score some goals, too. They're not getting shut up. So here we go.
2: 21 and a half. Book it. Taking the over. Tino. I like the look of the Toronto Rock on the money line versus the Rochester Nighthawks. Uh, Minus 244. Big-time
1: favorite for the Rock on the road after coming off a... Blowout over Vancouver. Rochester, however, coming off a big road win. I think this is a little disrespectful here by the bookmakers, giving Toronto minus 244 odds in Roch. But you're you're sticking with the Rock. I sure am. Okay. Go with it. Evan.
0: Looking at the Calgary-Vancouver game, and Calgary actually had a very good, preseason game like an actual full preseason game against the rush where they played most of their lineup vancouver they went to the east too i think calgary for for a game yeah but they, they actually played one at the saddle dome you know in a, a full full-on game both teams you. had their full roster right you, yeah. vancouver they've got some issues to work through calgary at a minus 125 is a massive bet here Take the Roughnecks on the money line.
1: Now, you're way more convinced on this than I am. I think you're going to see a bounce back performance here by Vancouver, and in particular, one Keegan Ball, who had a very quiet night in Toronto. I'm expecting a big one from 45. But this is your pick, and uh, if you get it wrong, Evan, look out. That's all I'm going to say. Just look out. So, Calgary money line over Vancouver, Toronto money line over Rochester, over Vegas, Panther City. You're looking at about a plus 450 here. 20 jumbo bucks gets you a cool bet return of around 110 bucks. Thank us later. Hey, while you're at it, if you're a first time listener or new to the podcast or you've never signed up on Cool Bet, Don't forget to do that. Join in the fun here. Stay cool. Bet responsibly. When you sign up for your account, it takes a couple of minutes. You put your name, your email, all that sort of stuff in there. And before you make your first-time deposit, put in the bonus code LAXCLASS. Make sure you do that. Why, you may ask? Somebody asked me why. Why? Well, I'll tell you, Tino Farah. It's because if you put in the bonus code LAXCLASS, Coolbet will match you up to two hundred dollars. They just give you free money now. If you're an established cool better, not to fret because we have more bonus to offer you, and that is to when you make a bet on the NLL, screenshot it, tag Coolbet Canada and Lax Class, and if you do that, post it up on Twitter. Super simple, quick screenshot, couple of tags post your bet up you'll automatically be entered to win a draw of cool bet prizes and P- nll tickets i this is easy stuff here people take advantage of this offer from cool bet Bones go lax class screenshot it free stuff you'll like it and uh join in the fun like i said stay cool bet responsibly so there you go there's the parlay for the week and you know what that means fellas. one more quick segment to come here it's time for who you got it's time once again to play your favorite podcast game who you got Who you got? Who who you got? Brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Boots, belts, buckles, hats, jeans, you name it. Bolas, uh, toques. I could go on here. Saddles, spurs, stirrups, lassos. They got it all at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. They've been out in Cloverdale since 1966. Shop online. It's still shopping local. Lots of Christmas gift ideas under the tree at Stampede Tack and Westwear. Check them out on social media as well at Stampede Tack, and uh, you can see what's in the big stores. Uh, Who you got? Uh, Week one is in the books. It did not go so well for yours truly. It did not go so well for Evan Schemenauer. It didn't even go all that well for Tino (laughs) Farah. But who it did go well for? I mean, honestly, here, my eight and my seven picks both took a nosedive. And, uh, you know, I took Vancouver as well out of three. So 50% for yours truly. Not good. Uh, We'll bounce back here in week two. Trust me. But uh, week one. Big time winner. He's not a first time winner either, like Evan, uh, who has never won a, a week <laughs> here of Stampy Tax. who <laughs> he got. But Eric Della Roca from Albany. I actually met Eric in Aguasasne last, uh, I guess it was over a year ago now. Um, he made the trip down there for the Survivor's Cup and introduced himself to me. He's a big Albany firewalls fan. And how about this cat here, boys? Bingo, bango, bongo goes perfect. Six for six in week one. How about that? Congratulations. Eric will be in touch.
0: And I'm certain he's going to be all smiles tomorrow when he's listening to the podcast, delivering the mail and hearing how well he did, right? Postman rocks.
1: It's what he does. He's a postman and uh, he plugs in the headphones and that's what he does when he's on his route, listens to the podcast. I love it. So that is the second time he has won a week. And uh, I also want to add here are two defending champions in Don Aldred and Rob King. I think they also, uh, well, I think Rob had a pretty tough week, if, I, if I'm if i not mistaken. I think Don had a pretty good week. So just want to just get the defending champs in there and uh, stay tuned as we move along here on who you got. Light week. In week two action. And uh, Tino, like I said, uh, you did the best out of all three of us. So uh, the honor is now bestowed upon you. Your very first
2: time hosting who you got. Don't screw it up. So if we all did poorly, but I did the best, so that mean I'm the smartest of the idiots, <laughs> something like that, something Good. like that. Yeah. great,
1: okay <laughs> by <laughs> the way, uh before you get started here, we we're very early on. Evan and I, I think the first year we did the the side bet thing, right where some one of us had to do karaoke who finished the worst. <laughs> uh and take a video of that which which I
0: proudly did. I don't think we did anything for year two though evan did we no we we so wow. one year, it was also the photo. No, I think year one was the photos. Oh. Although I don't know if we were playing who you got. I think we were just doing pick them against one another. Yeah. I had to yeah. Some,
2: some photos Bet here has to be that Evan has to make a horse noise, what? right? No, because he's
1: doing that next week or he's out on stallions. So we we know that much for sure. <laughs> so you guys
0: can pick your stallions. That's okay. But I,
1: I wonder <laughs> if we should maybe discuss, we won't do it this week, but we'll, we should discuss maybe a little extra value on uh, who does the best out of the three. Of us uh for the end of the season and maybe a little punishment involved with that. Interesting. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Or or a prize. Or, Could be- yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> maybe. We'll see. All right, Tino. You All right, shall we? Uh okay, let's start off Friday night, the expansion mega bowl. Las Vegas versus <laughs> Panther City. Mr. Jumbo Jake Elliott. Who do you got?
1: No. You- You screwed up already, Tino. It's not...
2: Because I added a do? It's
1: not who do you got. Who you got? Thank you very much. My word. Like, if there was one thing not to screw up, it's the name of the second.
2: Jake Elliott, who do you have?
1: (laughs) Try again. One more time. Give me one. Jake Elliott, who do you got?
2: (laughs) You did it again. And I'll do it till the end of the well, end I, of my days. I need
1: I need you to, I actually seriously need you to, to give it to me. Okay, straight. Jake, who you got? Thank you very much. I'm taking, taking Panther City in this game. They're at home. They're got a year under their belt. I think they're a little deeper of a roster. I don't need any more reasons than that. Panther City for a six.
2: All right. Evan Schemenauer, who you got?
0: I've got Panther City as well. You know, a team that did relatively well going down the stretch in the second half. You know, they, they I think they continue down that path. Panther City for a six.
2: I am going to take Las Vegas for a five. Ooh, Ooh. I'm not overly confident, but we're going to go with it anyways. All, right.
1: Pack's all, all right. right, all
2: right.
0: I'm trying to remember how many expansion teams have won their opening game.
1: Well, maybe that's a chore for you, Evan, to look up over the next week, and you can have that
0: information for us. Or Graham Farrow, he <laughs> probably has it. Yeah. I'm asking you, Sean. Well, the, the, so, result, yeah. the results are not on the NLL page anymore. Well, yeah. I think that'll get fixed
1: up. Just so everybody knows, we should probably mention that. A lot of people are going, what's going on with the NLL website? They have changed stats providers, and I think they just kind of did it a little too close to the season and are having some issues getting things updated in a timely fashion. Stay patient, people. It's frustrating for everybody. It'll get fixed in short order, I'm sure, and everything will be running smoothly in the coming days.
2: God, you guys are just steamrolling my hosting here. Sorry. All right. (laughs)
1: Game number two. Here
2: we go. Game number two on Friday night, Saskatchewan taking on San Diego. Jake, who you got? I thought a week
1: ago, this
2: pick would have been ultra
1: easy, but after watching the Riptide push the Seals to a one-goal victory and Saskatchewan rolling Colorado, it made it a little tougher for me to make this pick, but I'm sticking with the boys in SoCal. Home opener for the San Diego Seals.
2: Dive in for a seven. Evan Schemenauer, who you got?
0: I almost did a coin flip on this one, almost already. And, you know, but I'm going to save the coin flip for a little bit later. You know, it's it, it's a tough one, but Saskatchewan. You know, it's tough going down to San Diego, and that's that's really the factor here. Uh, for no other reason, San Diego for a five. Ooh. Uh, Jake, mean, you are on the same wavelength here. I got
2: San Diego for a seven. I just think this is going to be a high scoring game, but I think Frankie is a better goaltender than bouquet. So I think mm-hmm. he's going to get the upper hand here. Okay. That's where I'm going. All right. Game number three on the weekend, Toronto versus Rochester jumbo. Who you got?
1: I didn't take him last week, but I'm sure as you know, what taking him this week and that's the Toronto Rock here. Impressive win for the Nighthawks in week one. No question about it. But I just think Toronto's going to be a little too much to handle here for the K-Hawks. Short trip uh, across the line there to to get to Rochester. Pretty easy travel for Toronto. And uh, they want to keep it rolling there in Rock City. Toronto for an 8-8. Eight.
2: Eight. Hear that? Evan Schemenauer, who you got?
0: Well, let's just stick with the cool bet lines, and there's obviously one team that is a very, very heavy favorite, Toronto Rock for an 8. Ooh, all three of
2: us, same wavelength once again. I also have Toronto for an 8, so let's just... And what say. happened
0: to our 8 last week? <laughs> we don't talk about that. That's what uh, I think everybody except for Eric
1: won that bet. <laughs>
2: All right, the unfortunately, the final game of the weekend. Only four games this Well, th-
1: this is good, though, Tino, because it's two Friday. They're spaced out an That's hour true. and a half. And then there's two Saturday. They're spaced out as well. This is what you love to see on a Saturday night, Friday night uh, weekend in the National Crossing. If there was only a Sunday morning game, but I'm getting greedy, I, I'll stop there. But two Friday, <laughs> two Saturday.
2: All right, Jake, I think I know what you're going to pick, but Vancouver versus Calgary, who you got? Yeah,
1: you know what, guys? I may take my lumps this year selecting Vancouver every single week. It is no surprise that I am going to do this. I'm going to do it again. I am unabashed. I do not care. And, hey, quite frankly, I think Vancouver has a legit shot to win this game. I think they are going to play substantially better than what they showed in Toronto Calgary playing their first game of the year. There might be a little bit of rust. There Gonna be a tight one. I'll say that. And I'm taking Vancouver four or five.
2: Evan Shemin wronger.
0: Who you got? <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> yes. You know, I'm, I'm looking over across the room. There's that beautiful Reed bowering Jersey. that's over there, mm. which remain my, you know, more reminds me till the end of December, I've got to take, everybody but vancouver so calgary roughnecks for seven just the way we like it
2: (laughs) (laughs) uh jake i actually agree with you i think that this is going to be a really close game and i think vancouver is going to come out flying that being said I think we're entering here the uh, the Jesse King era of the Calgary Roughnecks, so I'm taking Calgary for a six.
1: All right. Uh, well, we'll see how it all plays out this weekend. Uh, enjoy the games, everybody. Appreciate everybody listening this week. As can I have for- one
0: prediction on this week? Sure you can. And that is whoever wins is going to have that tiebreaker pretty much to the goal. Yeah,
1: because only four games, right? So put some thought into your tiebreaker. Don't forget to get your picks in early. Don't forget to save and apply. And, hey, uh, honestly, if you missed, you know, last week or you're not registered yet, you're checking out the pod for the first time or something, it's not too late to get signed up to who you got. Office Pool Junkie, search up who you got and still lots of time to catch the leaders and more importantly, you can win individual weeks. So you don't even need to, you know, be diligent and, and pick every single game, every single week. Yep. If you miss a week, you can put auto picks on, but you can win weekly prizes along with the grand prize. So if you're not signed up to Who You Got, we're we're bigger than better than we've ever been, Evan. What we got like a thirty percent increase than what we had a year ago. So mm-hmm. lots of people playing Who You Got, join in the fun. And get involved.
0: And you know what? Live updates from Mr. Pat Gregoire. The parley is a plus 445. Okay. There you go.
1: On the fly. You got to love it. All right. That's going to do it. Uh, big thanks to Tanner Thompson and to the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League, Brett Frude, of course, for coming on the show. To our fabulous sponsors, Stampy Tech, Associated Labels and Packaging, Rycor Construction, and Cool Bet Canada, thanks for sponsoring the pod. Support our sponsors. That's how you support this show. And uh, that is going to do it, I think. Uh, I think we're done. For Tino Farah and Evan Sheminar, I've been Jay Kelly for the Fastest Game on Two Feet. And for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified.